Hey, good morning. Welcome to Restoration Church. As uh, My name is Pastor Andrew. I'm so excited and I'm a little stressed now because uh, for those of you at our uh, online lo- or at our other locations, uh, Pastor Will just introduced me by saying, the first time I ever heard Pastor Andrew preach, he made me cry and now I feel like I have to measure up to this terrifying <laughs> standard. But uh, I'm just so excited because we're, we've been in the midst of, of this, this series called Passion. And Pastor Nate has preached, honestly, some really hard-hitting messages on what it means to have a healthy marriage, what it means to deal with, you know, catastrophic fallout in marriage, whether it be affairs or things like that. And we've kind of been focusing on, man, what does it mean to practically live in today's society when navigating marriages and things like that? And today, I have the, the honor of trying to kind of help you navigate how to kind of be single well. And so for some of you, you might be sitting here and say, well, I'm not single, so this doesn't apply to me, and you're excited because now you get to play Candy Crush all service, Um, but I'm going to encourage you, don't check out yet, because here's the reality. We're going to talk about what it means to be single well, and this is something that your kids are going to need to know one day. This is something that you might have grandkids who need to know how to do this. You're going to have friends who are going to need to know how to do this, and and I want to help you figure out, man, how can we be single well? So the Bible and, and God kind of has a plan for, for what it means to be single in, in today's society, that this is an opportunity that you have to kind of figure out what it means to be single today. And I think that's a, that's a scary proposition. And so we see, this, we see this all the time. Like, you know, I think people take it to one of two extremes. I see it on Facebook all the time, either the desperation about how nobody loves them and it's really sad and they're posting all the time, or the I'm by myself and I don't need anyone and I post angry photos all Valentine's Day because my heart is broken because nobody loves me yet. And, and I think we can find ourselves somewhere in the gamut on that. And then uh, when we're talking about singleness for me, we're going to kind of lump a couple other categories into this. Uh, I'm just going to broadly define singleness as anyone who's not yet married. So you might be dating, and a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about will still apply to you. I know you're not single. I know you're not uh, you're in a relationship, and, and you might even be engaged. And, and this is still going to apply to you today because I kind of want to help you navigate, man, how do you deal with life when you're not married yet? And so we're going to jump into that. And so we're going to come out of um, a passage in, in the book of Corinthians. And so this is Paul is kind of writing to uh, an early church. And, and in Corinthians, he's kind of helping them navigate all the weirdness of what it means to be a church. And so throughout Corinthians, he deals with everything from prayer to uh, dealing with people who are your friends in the church to even dealing with marriages. And, and then here he's kind of talking specifically about people who are not married. And so Paul had to confront this weird idea in the early church that came up everywhere, and I don't think we deal with it uh, as much today, but I think we deal with it in another form, where he kind of deals with this thing where people say, you should stay single because that will make you more holy. That'll make you a better person. If if you're not with anyone, that's better for you. And so Paul has to constantly confront this idea that somehow not getting married, not having a relationship will make you a better person. And so he's writing... To, uh, to the Corinthians in this passage about people who hadn't been married and people whose spouses had passed away. And so he writes in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, but if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. It's, this is pretty great advice. Um, it's, 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 this is one of those passages in the Bible where you're like, what, what do I do with that? That's, that's a weird thing we've got to address. But, but here's the reality. Paul is giving us amazing advice here. 
Like, here's the thing. You've got these desires in you. You've got this want to be in a relationship. You've got this want to be with someone. You should get married because there's an avenue that you can safely pursue those, that, that desire in a way that's going to be beneficial for you. And so this is the side of it that we deal with. I don't think we deal with the side of don't get married because you're holy, but we deal in today's society with things like don't get married because it will make you miserable. You know, we often hear that, like, you just should just don't get married. It's all a waste of time, you know, and, and you know, you're getting told this by someone who uh, is in a relationship, and, you know, it's one of those things where we kind of hear this idea that marriage will make you miserable, and I'm just going to say that is not true at all. Take that from me. Um, you know, I, I remember before I was married, and listen, I don't even think I counted as an, as an adult before I got married. Like, the reality was, I, when I, before I was married, praise God for my wife, because she had the patience to decide that she was going to marry a man who, I, I kid you not, I did this when I was like 20 years old, who slept on his couch more than in his own bed, would go to bed in an outfit like this. Like, I would just lay down and sleep all night in jeans and, and a sweatshirt. And I, and I still do that sometimes, and my wife gets mad at me, but, but I would do that constantly. I would just sleep in a full outfit. Uh, who, when I moved into my first house, didn't have curtains, so I took a Star Wars blanket and put thumbtacks over the window so that I had curtains. Um, I, I constantly ate McDonald's food, and microwave ramen was my main way of uh, existing, which the irony is I was a lot skinnier back then, so maybe I'm doing something wrong now, but, but I would do that. And now I, I'm at least a semi-functional adult who at least cooks his ramen on the stove instead of in the microwave. But the reality is... Here's the thing. Marriage is making me miserable. Like, I, I am so excited that, that, I got, that I got married, that I have an amazing wife who we get to do amazing things together and have amazing journeys. But the reality is marriage doesn't make you miserable. A poor marriage makes you miserable. And that's scary. And so today we're going to talk about, man, there are ways that you can set yourself up for success in marriage that are pretty practical and pretty easy but go against what everyone in the world will tell you. And so this is where I'm going to kind of, uh, I'm going to take a pause because I'm going to say some things tonight or today uh, that might, for those of you who are married, you might have done a bunch of the things that I'm going to talk about and recommend you not do. And, you'll, and it'll feel like I'm attacking you or I'm condemning you or, or I'm saying your, your marriage is doomed. I'm not saying any of that. I promise you that's not what I'm doing. The reality is I'm trying in this moment, you know, there are tons of things I remember, um, you know, I wish someone had explained to me when I was like a teenager and, or, or in my young adulthood, you know, things like, hey, how do I do my taxes or something like that. Like there are all these things I wish people had taught me. And just right now, I'm going to take a minute to say, hey, these are things that are going to set you up for success. And, and I would love for you to encourage you. And if you're a parent, that's probably what you want for your kid. You might say, I made a ton of mistakes, and I don't want my kid to go through the horrible things that I have. I don't want my kid to end up uh, divorced. I don't want my kid to end up in a, a bad marriage. I don't want my kid to deal with that. And so I'm going to say some things that you might be like, yeah, I did that. I'm not dooming you. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying your marriage is worthless. Man, we serve a God who no matter what mistakes we've made in our life can restore a marriage, can restore you, can heal you, can take care of you. And I believe that just the fact that you're sitting here today is going to allow God to move in you no matter what you've done in your past or what mistakes have happened in your marriage. So we're going to talk through some of the things that, um, 
that the world will tell you is a good idea. So one of the things that I think really comes out of this is, is, is that I really want to address is, is there's almost this idea in societies like, one, don't get married because it'll make you miserable, or two, before you get married, you need to test out the relationship. And you need to test it out by living together. And I'm going to read some scary statistics um, because there's tons of different reasons people decide to live together. Sometimes it's just more convenient. It makes financial sense. Uh, you want to test it. You want to see if you're compatible. But, but here's something that the U.S. Attorney and Legal Services has published about living together before marriage. If you, if you decide not to live together before marriage, you have, at the five-year mark, a 20% chance of ending up divorced before, you, before you've been married for five years. Now, that's, that's, that's a terrifying statistic. That's one in five. One in five people who don't live together will end, up, um, will end up divorced at five years. If you decide to live together before you get married, your chance of divorce jumps up to 49% in five years. 49%. At the 10-year mark, if you never lived together before you got married, you have a 33% chance of ending up divorced. But at 10 years, if you decide to live together before you were married, the chance of you getting divorced is 62%. That's a terrifying statistic that we're dealing with. And some of you, like I said, you might be feeling like, man, does that mean my marriage is doomed? No. One of the ways you can actually lower that statistic is by being a person of faith. So that's amazing. So coming to church lowers your chance of divorce. But the reality is th there's this moment where like you're trying to do this and you're trying to set up your marriage for success. You're saying, well, if we test it out, if we try it out, that's going to increase our chance of making this work because now we know each other, now it works better. But the reality is it actually has the opposite effect. It doesn't help you prepare for marriage. It doesn't help you have a better marriage. The reality is the moment you decide to live together before you're married can oftentimes lead you down a path you don't want to head down. And so that's one of those scary things that, that, um, that we deal with. And so, like I said, we're try I'm trying to set you up and give those of you who are single a chance to say, I want to set up my marriage for success. Because here's the reality. You set the direction for your marriage before you ever meet your future spouse. And that can feel hard to believe, but the reality is when you decide, you know what, I want to pursue a relationship that's going to be healthy, that's going to be fulfilling, that's going to be wholesome, that's going to be amazing, you can decide before you've ever met your spouse, man, I want to set the direction of my marriage. And so we have an opportunity to do that today. If you're single and you're sitting here or you're engaged or you're in a relationship, you have an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to set a positive direction for my marriage starting now. And it can feel like it can feel a lot easier to do that beforehand than it is in the midst of it. Sometimes it's, it's hard, like when, when, you're in a, when you're in a rough relationship and you're, you're not going a good direction, it's easier to kind of pull yourself in a positive direction rather than pull yourself and someone else out. But you get to set the direction before you ever meet your future spouse. And then here's the other thing that I think is really important is marriage needs to come out of passion. And so that's kind of what we're talking about in this whole series is, is marriage should precede passion. There should be passion as you're, as you're deciding to move into this relationship. And so that's why it's so important that in Corinthians, he says, you should go ahead and marry. It's better to, 
It's better to marry than burn with passion. There should be something inside of you that, um, that is setting you up for, for a future marriage. And so uh, the way I think about this is I was in college, and I had a professor, and he was a pastor of a church for years and years and years before he ever became a professor. And one of the things he talked about was the, one of the weirdest experiences he had when dealing with, um, when dealing with, with, with married couples was he had a couple who, who was engaged, and they came up to him one day, and they'd been engaged for like a month or two, and they were, they were just like, hey, we're so excited. We're so excited, Pastor. Guess what? And he's like, what? And they're like, we, God has done a miracle in our relationship, just the biggest miracle you could ever imagine. He's like, oh, man, that's awesome. What, what did he do? And they said, we have no desire to sleep together whatsoever. He just kind of looked at him, and he said, I don't know if that's a miracle. They said, we know it is. We have no temptation. God has delivered us from it. We're going to have an amazing marriage because we don't even want to see each other naked. It's amazing. (laughs) And then, sure enough, they get married. Three months later, they're sitting in his office for counseling because they don't want to sleep together. (laughs) That's the reality. Like they, They were entering into a marriage not not because they had a passion for the other person, but because they felt obligated to pursue a relationship. And that's, that's where I want to encourage you. Like, marriage needs to come out of passion. You should have a desire and a want, and even sometimes it feels like a need to be in a relationship with someone else. And I think this is where we as the church get it all wrong, all kinds of screwed up, because we've spent, you know, I just feel like the church has spent years like, God is enough, you don't need anything else. If you let him fulfill you, then the right person will come along. But Paul is saying the exact opposite of this. You're going to have desires and wants and needs, and you know what? It's going to be better for your relationship with God if you decide to pursue someone. And that's not something that I feel like the church says often. Like, you should want to pursue someone. You should want to have a relationship. And most of all, it's okay. It's okay to want to pursue someone. It's okay to want to have a relationship. It's okay to say, you know what, I think, I would be, I think I'd be in a better place as a person if, if I pursued and I got married. Because I know for me, like I said, like, I'm a much better person now that I'm married than beforehand. My wife has improved me astronomically. Like, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, the only reason I'm dressed this nice today is because she picked out my outfit, for crying out loud. Like, I was ready to walk on on a t-shirt. The reality is... You can, like, it's okay to want to pursue someone. And, and it just breaks my heart when, when people live a life like they're trying to be more holy or, or if God fulfills them enough, then, then the right person will, will come along. But the reality is, man, marriage has to come out of passion. That passion has to come out of somewhere. And for me, I know, like, I had to work hard to get my wife to like me. Like, she didn't have passion when I first started pursuing her. You know, at first, like, I tried, you know, when we, when we, when I finally, when I started, like, pursuing my wife, we were, I was a camp counselor, and she was on staff, she was the lifeguard at the campground we went to, and, oh my gosh, she shot me down for a week straight, like, she wanted nothing to do with me, but the reality was, I had a passion, I had a desire, I had something, and sure enough, slowly she realized, hey, I have this passion too. And so it's okay for you to have passion. It's okay for you to be excited. But as you pursue passion and as you pursue that, hey, let's set you up for success. Let's do everything we can to make you successful. And ways that you can do that is, like we said, 
not living together, going to church, spending time knowing God, um, um, pursuing him. And then one of the things that I would really recommend, I don't have biblical basis for this, but once you get engaged, have a short engagement. Like, honestly, my wife, when we got engaged, she refused to have an engagement that was shorter than six months. So we got married six months to the day after we got engaged. <laughs> but the reality is, man, have a short engagement because you have passions, you have desires that God has put inside of you, that he's put in your heart, and they are okay. Let's find the best way to pursue them, to chase after them, because listen, he has a plan for you. He has a journey for you in your singleness, in the moments where you feel like you're not good enough. He is stoking those desires in you because you are meant to have a marriage that is amazing, that is fulfilling, that's going to produce kids who are going to follow God, and I want that for you, and I want you to be able to walk in the best way possible. I made tons of mistakes in all my previous relationships, tons and tons. I want to spare you from those. I want you guys to be able to have a relationship that you can be proud of, that you can be excited about, that you, can, that you didn't just end up with, that you didn't slide into marriage because well, we're living together, I guess we might as well get married now. You know, I want you guys to, to have a marriage that comes out of passion, that comes out of excitement, that comes out of something good. And then the biggest thing that I think is important for, for why get married? Why get married? Like most, like it's, what is it? It's something like 40-something percent of marriages end up in divorce. It seems hopeless. But here's the reality. There is such power in intertwining yourself with someone in a way that goes beyond just the two of you. And I think about it this way. I think about the marriage relationship I have with my wife, and I think about the fact that, you know what's amazing? No matter how messed up I am, no matter how much I show how vulnerable I am, how dark I am, my wife isn't going anywhere. There's power in that. The scary thing about, like, I can imagine the fear of, of knowing that, you know, there's nothing that ties us together. You, you could leave me. You could walk away. You could, like, I'm going to hide myself. I'm going to wear a mask because now instead of knowing that no matter how ugly I am on the inside, you're going to sit there and we're going to figure it out. We're going to work it out. The reality is, man, if I have the fear that you're going to run away, that you're going to leave, that you're going to take off, man, I don't even get to be myself in our relationship anymore. There's power in the moment where you say, listen, I'm not going to hold myself accountable to you because, listen, I've broken plenty of promises in my life. You've broken plenty of promises in, my li in your life. The reality is I'm going to hold myself accountable to someone higher than the both of us. I'm going to stand before God, the one who will never break a promise, who will never, never say it. And I'm going to say, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm a messed up, broken, screwed up individual. But I'm going to stand here and I'm going to say that I will never leave this person. That's such like, that's such, I, I don't think we appreciate today how revolutionary a concept that is. That we said, you know what, there's something powerful between two people and it can never be broken. They can never walk away, no matter what's going on in their heart, no matter how many times uh, you get angry at them, no matter how many fights you have, no matter how, we're going to sit there and we're going to work it out. We're going to make it happen. We're going to become better people because the reality is you don't grow as a person unless it's through some form of conflict. 
Whether it's through conflict with yourself, conflict with your friends, conflict with your spouse, the reality is, man, you have conflict in your life, and, and as you fight and as you, you know, work it through, I mean, fight fair, don't, don't do cheap shots or anything, but, but the reality is, man, when, when you're working this out, man, you become a better person. Like, if it was up to me, we would still have that curtain because then I wouldn't have had to go out and spend $40 on better curtains. But the reality is, through that conflict, through that fighting, through that, I became a better person because someone stood next to me and said, I see not who you are, but who you could be, and I want to walk alongside you and help you and support you and love you, and who doesn't do it in a condemning way, but who does it in a way that says, man, let's be better together. That's the marriage we're shooting for. That's what we're striving to be. That's what we're trying to do, and that's what we're aiming for. The final thing that we're going to kind of talk about, because I, I want, um, at the end of this service, we're going to sing the first song, Hindsight, again, because I just, I think that's going to be the perfect way to uh, end our series on passion. But the last thing I want to talk about is you'll never find the perfect person, but you don't need to, because you can have the perfect Savior. You'll never find the perfect person. I, I've seen so many people, um, so many so many people decide, like, like hold off and, and not get married and not pursue a relationship because they're waiting for that exact right individual to come along, to show up, to be a part of their life. They're waiting, if they're following God, they're waiting for the moment when, uh, when, when all of a sudden the angels sing and the, the room lights up and they see the person from across the room and that's it. But listen, he, here's reality. That's, that's not going to happen in most relationships. It's not. When I met my wife, I was dating someone else. It took years for me to realize and have my eyes open that, hey, I like this person. It took her a little longer. <laughs> but here's the reality. You don't ever need to find the perfect person because you already have a perfect savior. If you follow God, if you pursue the things he has for you, if you chase after what it is he wants for your life, man, he's going to work through whatever issues you have. You as a couple, you as, uh, if you're dating, if you're single, if you're, uh, if you're married, the reality is, man, you have a savior who's going to work with your brokenness and somehow make something good out of two people who are not. That's the biggest miracle in my life next to the fact that Jesus loved and died for me is the reality that somehow, some way, somewhere, I ended up with a spouse and we have a marriage that is good despite the fact that we are both broken and messed up. Somehow this giant man-child who didn't know how to make food ended up with this amazing wife who made him better. And it's not perfect every second of every day. Man, my wife and I get into fights over the craziest things. When I, wanna, when I decide, hey, I'm really feeling like I should go bald, like that's going to be my next hairstyle. My wife says, I will not talk to you in public anymore. <laughs> like, you know, it's not perfect. It's not. But the reality is it's better than when I was by myself. It's better than being a slave 
to lust and, and, and passion and all that stuff. Because here's the reality. It feels like when we read this verse, when we read it in this moment, that it's saying, hey, you might as well get married because otherwise you're going to lust. And, and that's it. That's all marriage is. It's a, it's a way for us to be sexually gratified. But the reality is Paul is creating something deeper. He's creating a moment that's stronger. He's creating, he's saying, you know what's more powerful than being a slave to lust? What's more powerful than being a slave to passion? It's being submissive to the one true God, to walking after him, to following the path he set before you, to pursuing the relationship he wants for you. That's where it becomes truly amazing. Because you're going to serve something in your life, whether it be lust, whether it be money, whether it be whatever, but you have an opportunity to say, you know what? God's given me a way to serve him in the midst of me not being good enough, and I'm going to pursue that. And so we're going to sing as a church in all locations. We're going to sing one more time. I want to sing the song, Hindsight, because here's the reality. I, I, love, what it, I love what it says. It says, man, my God isn't finished yet. He's going to do it again. Listen, for some of you who are married, and this is the perfect end to our passion series because for some of you who are married, here's the reality. I believe that when you've been in a cold marriage and felt lost, man, God has the opportunity to restore you to feeling like it's your wedding day again. For those of you who are single and you're saying, I don't have a chance, man, hey, God's, God's done miracles before. He's going to do one for you too, I promise. And for those of you who are saying, you know, I, I, we're engaged, we're excited, man, God isn't finished yet. Your relationship is just starting. It's about to get amazing. It's about to get better. It's about to get incredible. And here's the reality. I've said some scary things about statistics and where your relationship could come, but here is what I'm going to leave you with. I'm going to reassure you with no matter where you come from, no matter where you've been, no matter how many marriages you You've had, God can restore the one you're in now. He can restore you as a person, and he's going to leave you in a better place than where you were when you walked into this building today. We're going to sing that song. We're going to worship, and we're going to sing it over our marriages. We're going to sing it over our future spouses. We're going to sing it over our relationships, and here is what's going to happen. God is going to do miracles we can't even imagine. I know that as we finish passion, we're gonna walk out of here not sad, not depressed, not angry, but excited for the relationships God has in store for us. Let's pray and let's stand and sing together. God, we believe that we can be single well in a society that tells us to test drive marriages, to, to try it out, to be free to leave. If it's not making you happy, you can go. God, we believe that when we stick by someone, when we stick next to a person and follow you, man, that's when it gets better than we can imagine. That's when you move in a way we can't even comprehend. God, there's power in following you. There's power in saying, I don't want to be subjected to lust and be, feel lost and confused. God, I want to pursue the relationships you have for me. God, you're going to do miracles in my marriage. You're going to do miracles in my family. You're going to do miracles in my relationship. And God, most of all, you're going to do miracles in my singleness because I'm going to set the pace for my marriage before it even begins. In your name we pray. Amen.